Welcome to Leading Collaborative Response. The purpose of this content is to explore the impact of leadership on the implementation and sustainability of collaborative response, a system-wide framework that values collaborative, action-focused responses, data-informed discussions, and timely support to ensure all students can experience success. A carefully planned and implemented collaborative response will positively support both students and teachers. Learn more about the why behind the leadership activities that establish, refine, and deepen collaborative response as a foundational framework for success. We are here because we want to build capacity in leading collaborative response within the context that you work. Great leaders build great teams because that is what every child deserves. Welcome to another episode of Leading Collaborative Response. I'm joined again today by Curtis Hewson, lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning. Hi, there, Jen. Ta- Hi, Curtis. We're talking today about seeking alignment for school impact. So, Curtis, let me start with when you say seeking alignment, what do you mean? I, I think it really comes down to, as a leader, how can we ensure that we've created clear alignment between some of the different structures that we have in place and that when we come together in those those key structures, and I'm gonna talk about two in particular, that there's predictability and that we're really trying to hone in on an area that we want to be able to impact. I often say for schools that are just starting to engage around collaborative response, again, it's a mindset, it's a way about going about our business, but it's really with some clearly intentional processes and structures that we put in place. So sometimes, learning and refining those structures and processes takes time. And, and it's important to just pick one thing that we want to focus on, on impacting and, and do it well and learn the process through that. So when we talk about alignment, what we want to be able to do is ensure that for two of our layers of collaboration, the collaborative team meeting and our collaborative planning, Do we have alignment through both of those that connect back to our school improvement plan? So let me share with you what I mean by that. Um, Within my own school, we had established, again, with that idea of picking one thing and getting and doing it really well, we had established a core goal that was focused on reading success. Um, Although our school improvement plan had other priorities that we were attending to, we said within these two critical structures of collaborative team meetings and collaborative planning, let's focus on the one thing and do it really well. And as an elementary school, we really determined if our students could leave our school as successful readers, that's probably going to have a lot of supplementary benefits that come along in a lot of other areas. So when it came to the collaborative team meetings, we ensured that when we come to a collaborative team meeting, We're going to look at our data, and I'll come back to that data in a little bit, in relation to reading, to help identify which students we want to bring forth and really focus in on that and use the collaborative team meeting structure to tease out the practices, the strategies, the the interventions that we could be building out along reading, and doing that over time just helped us to deepen the work. Now, that's, that's only one example. I've, I've worked with high schools where they've said, the one thing we want to get really good at is student engagement. So let's make that the focus of our collaborative team meetings. So establishing those focus areas is really important. And then it allows us 
in that particular example to uh, let's go back to the the reading example to be able to say do we have some key measures that would indicate which students should we be paying attention to in relation to that core goal of reading then can we build out a continuum of supports in relation to that core goal of reading and again if i go at it from the engagement angle exact same process what are the key measures that we'll take to help identify which students are we concerned about in that area of engagement and then can we build out that continuum of supports making it really clear how are we using those three foundational components of collaborative structures and processes data and evidence and a continuum of supports to focus in on one thing that we're going to try and really make an impact within our school so then when it comes to the collaborative planning that same principle applies. So when we have teams coming together, can they establish a goal that they want to focus on that uh, falls under that umbrella of our main priority? So again, I'll come back to our school example. Um, when our core goal was focused around reading, we were able to they then say uh, for our teams, and, and we structured ourselves in grade level teams, that's what made sense for us and other schools look at different team structures just based on their demographics and configurations. But then we said for each of those grade level teams, we'd like for you to construct a goal that falls under that umbrella of reading, but understanding that uh, a team at grade one may look at a different goal. For instance, they may focus on uh, phonemic awareness is something we really want to be able to hone in and do really well for our students, where our grade four team was focusing on vocabulary acquisition. So that, that alignment to the one thing that we're trying to really impact becomes absolutely critical. And through that, we saw tremendous gains being made in that, that again, had side benefits in regards to behavior, to engagement, but it really ensured that we could see that alignment between an area we were trying to impact within the school, and then how we use our collaborative response structures to really see impact in that one area. So for me, that's what alignment comes down to. Now, I have seen schools that get more advanced in the process where they start to say, well, we have a literacy focus, a numeracy, and a wellness. Well, then let's start aligning that when we come to a collaborative team meeting, which one of those are we focusing on today? And do we have our key measures that can identify the students to bring forth to the conversation? Then we want to be able to, in our collaborative planning, and we've seen some schools then that in your collaborative planning, do you have a literacy goal, a numeracy goal, and a wellness goal, or sorry, a behavior goal that we want to be able to attend to? So that, that alignment is absolutely critical for us when, when we're thinking about how we're leading collaborative response, that it's not each time we come together, well, what do you want to focus on today? And all of a sudden we make this much gain, uh, small steps, small gains in a number of different areas instead of incredible gains in key things that we're trying to focus on. Listening to you talk, Curtis, it sounds very much like alignment doesn't just happen. <laughs> what sort of structures or steps might someone need to take in order to teach how to align at each level of those? So I think the first primary thing when we're thinking about our role as leaders is what is the one 
two, maybe three things that we're trying to do really well in our school. And again, that involves uh, a collaborative process of some data examination. Uh, we would spend time usually around May and June to help look at some of our data to establish what would be the core focus areas as we moved into next year. Now, understanding there's of course a number of things that are always going on within our school, but from a strategic perspective, can, can I as a leader help identify these short number of things that we're gonna really put our strategic focus and efforts around? So I think that's one of the first things is being able to clearly articulate what are the key elements that we're trying to um, do and, and knowing that that takes an engagement process to be able to help define what that is over time, but trying to get to a place where we don't have 12 things that we're trying to impact um, and then not seeing any significant gains in, in several or if in any of those. I think the other thing that comes from the how do you do that is then once you have that clarity around, and again, I use that example of a core goal or a core priority area that we're looking at, then can I structure and schedule that when we come together for a collaborative team meeting, do we have it clearly articulated? What's the focus today? And then in time, do we have the data related to that focus area to help us flag and bring forth the students and the key issues that we want to talk about. And then again, around the collaborative planning, being able to um, set that, that core goal or those key priorities and help assist our staff teams in creating either, a, we've often talked about creating a goal in relation to it that you're going to focus on throughout the year when you come together in your collaborative teams or an inquiry question. Either one of those Either one of those formats works, um, but again, it's it's trying to get that alignment. I recently worked with a school where they, to help the their teams create that goal, they had their core goal up, and then they had almost like a closed statement where it said, by June 2022, we will see blank as a result of blank as measured by blank. And it really helped provide a, a format to help get team to help teams get clarity around one thing that we want to really look at impacting through our collective practices this year. It's very evident that the presence of leadership at all of those levels is necessary. And it is. And it's, it's that difficult back and forth of Dufour used to talk about it as loose, tight leadership of being tight to, we have a core goal, we're going to focus and everyone's going to set their own, or teams are going to set their own goal around it, but then being careful not to micromanage how you go about um, approaching that goal, being, being available to help support, of course, along the way, but not getting down to the granular um, I'm going to be part of every conversation when your teams meet. It's, uh, I often set up that, you know, three times during the year, we'll come in and formally review, how are you going with your goals? But then there were informal check-ins, but trying not to micromanage that work and, and trusting that, that our teams, once they have clarity around where to go, that, that they have the expertise to be able to 
do what they need to do to see success in relation to that one thing or one to three maybe things that we're trying to really put our attention to. You keep mentioning that one or that one to three. We know that schools are complex and there's so many things that are going on. Oh, goodness, all the time. Yeah. How is it that a leader can truly identify what needs to be aligned so that they can take their school in a strategic direction? Well, I can uh, speak first to this as a young leader that I didn't understand this very well. And I probably was creating chaos and overwhelmedness by trying to focus on everything. Every email that came through, we have to try and respond to everything that was coming up. Everything had to get it captured into that school improvement plan that I'm going to have to submit to somebody else to be able to review. We need to capture everything. And I think I learned fairly, well, not as quickly as I maybe should have, <laughs> that the concept that I like to use of cut and clarify, what can we cut out from the noise? Um, and again, I'm not talking the day-to-day, -day, I'm talking about the overall strategic components. Of course, in your classroom, you're going to be attending to multiple curricula, a myriad of outcomes that you're uh, responsible for, for your learners. But when we come together to collaborate, how can we cut away the other things so that we can really focus in? And that's where the clarify comes in. Cut away the noise and create clarity around one thing that we want to be able to attend to well in our collaboration, collaborative efforts. Um, it's not easy, but it, it again comes down to trying to create clarity around what we want to be able to improve in as an organization, although we know individually we're attending to a number of things uh, that are that are happening for us. I often, oftentimes in our um, teams, when they would come together for collaborative planning, they would establish that we'll take the first 20 minutes of our time to just attend to what's cooking right now. Like, what are the big things that we have to attend to that are just taking up time? Let's take 20 minutes for that. But then let's use our remaining 40 minutes to focus in on our goal and what we're doing to move that forward. I think without that, we're running in a reactive mode within our schools, and we sometimes get drawn away from our primary objectives that we're trying to achieve in relation to student learning and success. I keep hearing the phrase, I'm putting out fires, I'm putting out fires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And it can feel like that, uh, but we want when we come together to collaborate, that it's with a purpose and a focus that, again, when you look back at it over a year, we can see, we can see substantial growth in one of our areas that, again, is going to have side impacts uh, in a number of different areas. So do you have any advice for leaders around that whole cut and clarify? What to cut, when to cut, how to clarify? Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the things that I did as a young leader is I would try and forward everything that was coming out to the teacher. Let's keep everyone as up-to-date and as formed on everything as possible. And I learned in time that actually was not helpful. Um, it was actually creating more confusion than what was needed. Um, so I started to see my role as the filter. Um, there's some things that I can attend to in the background, but what can I filter out so that people can remain 
as focused as, as we possibly can on the big rocks that we're trying to accomplish. We can send out uh, information items in, in a video that goes out so that those that want to be able to be informed, great, but let's not take 20 minutes in a staff meeting to, to dive through all of those pieces. Let's use that time. Let's use the time when we're together to be really focused and, and clear. I think the other thing that I found out that needed to be put in place was timetabling. Um, when are the times not only that our teams are being able to meet and clarifying the purpose when they come together, but from an admin level, uh, is there time for myself and my vice principal where we have time to collaborate, to focus on our strategic plan. Otherwise, it became a email that comes out and say, your plans are due by this date. And you go, oh my goodness, uh, we need to attend to this. By setting that regular time every week helped to really put, put that focus back together. And um, just like our great, our, our teams, when they're collaborating, we're trying to ensure that that time is sacred and, and special or that it, it's protected, sorry, for our administrators to be able to do the same thing. I, I used to share with our uh, uh, front office admin assistant, um, blood or fire are the only two things that pull us out of this conversation. Other, uh, and so just attend to anything else, put it on, on a side, we'll attend to it after. But if we don't take this one hour to every week to determine what is it that we need to move the school forward, we're constantly going to be just in react mode so i that's been one of my hugest learning and work with a lot of schools about yeah it's important for your teachers to collaborate but when's your time to focus in on your your school improvement plan and your big picture work build it right in timetable it and try and keep every other distraction out of that space again sounds easy in principle difficult in execution but it's by setting that clarity and sorry, this is a do not disturb time is super important. And it comes down to how you train your office staff, how you train your teachers to handle that time as well. Yeah. And setting expectations, you know, simple things like when, when I'm in this meeting with my vice principal, um, we're in a do not disturb. So don't, again, <laughs> blood or fire. Those are the only two things that will take us out of this uh, conversation. And then trying to clear the way for teams in the same way that when you have team time, I'm not going to come in and interrupt with other elements of my agenda to be able to attend to. I'll find other ways to be able to communicate that because your, your time and your team is important. So I, you know, all those simple strategies of no announcements over the intercom when that, that time is in place. Um, no one coming in to distract. Put your cell phones away. We're, we, we need this time to focus. I like that. Put the cell phones away. <laughs> yeah, and it's a hard one. And I find that I, I, I really have to keep reminding myself to focus, turn it over, and I have to be present in this conversation. I'm never going to get to all of it ever. And so it's... <laughs> I have to take this, this 45 minutes, one hour, whatever that time is to devote on what are our priorities and how do we continue to create that clarity. 
So off the wall question for you. Yeah. When you were in those do not disturb times with your vice principal and the superintendent called, what was, what was the response that your executive assistants were supposed to give to the superintendent about that time? Uh, he's in a meeting right now. Um, can he call you back as soon as he's out? That, that was the common script uh, to be able to put in. If a parent came in and was uh, needing to see somebody now, it was, sorry, he's in a meeting right now. Can I schedule uh, some time here? Um, he'll be available this afternoon or he'll get back to you uh, right away as soon as he comes out. I often found that for myself, I would ensure that after that team meeting, I had a space of even 15 minutes just to be able to respond back to those, those calls and you know people that have urgency to what they want to attend. I'll attend to those right after, but not to try not to distract that time as best as we can. Again, not easy and it's not perfect. And I can say all of that. And I know there were still times that things pulled you out of that, but it happened less frequently than it would have if we hadn't let everybody else around know that this was sacred time. Building in the culture around the sacredness of that time. And, and you know, Jen, I love what you just said there. Building in that culture, that collaboration is insanely important if we want to be able to move our work um, for students forward. It's, it doesn't happen by accident. And if you don't make the time for collaboration purposeful and protected, it'll wane. And then we're right back into individualized work and reactive mode. So going from collaboration to individual, let me shift the conversation here. Yeah. In your text, you talk about moving away from the aggregate to focus on the individual. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, okay. So this comes to, you know, when we have that, let's use that core goal example again. Do we have data that helps us determine, um, are we making progress within this? And um, quite often in schools, we look at the overall, the aggregate. So for instance, I take that core goal of reading and I say right now, 75% of our students are where we want and we're setting a goal by the end of the year, we're gonna to get to 80. Um, that's great. And it makes for a nice chart that I can include in my school improvement plan, but it doesn't individualize and narrow down the conversation. Um, rather than looking at that big aggregate, I wanna be able to drill down a little bit and see which students, individual students and, and, and small cohorts are the ones that we need to focus in on if we wanna get to that 80%. Um, so even though the aggregate might be a way to be able to show overall growth, the actioning needs to come down to the, the individuals. Um, the 75% to 80 uh, can be nebulous uh, for us and it may be a bit of a, of a uh, chance game of whether we're gonna get there if we haven't drilled in. And the best way I found to do that drilling in is through color coding. Being able to say, let's use that reading example again. If, um, if we take a look at our data, which students are red, yellow, green, and blue in relation to that, that reading, um, reading goal. And by that, I mean red, the students that are not yet meeting expectations, the yellows being the ones who are approaching 
the green being those that are meeting and blue being those that are exceeding and setting criteria to be able to help to get to that color coding. Because now once I've color coded, it's, it's so much easier to say, we have 22 students that are yellow who are close. Let's focus on them first. What are their names? And what are we going to do to help support them? Okay, then we're going to, those, those, are, our, those, those are the closest pieces of fruit that we can pick and, and work away at. Then we wanna be able to say, okay, for the ones that are red, now what else can we do to help support them? We're not ignoring, but we're trying to really hone in on that mid-range group that is close to be able to help identify uh, for it. I found that when once we did that as schools, and I've seen it replicated across many, many different sites, and even from a system level, when you can narrow in and say, here's the specific students that we want to be able to look at. And so what are we going to do? It's, we're going to achieve those aggregate scores, and probably higher by doing it in a very focused way. And the color coding is absolutely key to this. The other thing that we started to do is in relation to that core goal, um, we began to show instead of a 75% overall, we began to, to show what percentage of our students are in the red, the yellow, the green, and the blue. And it helped us to target which is the area we want to focus in on first. So again, it's that, that clarity and, and it's work up front to be able to take that data information and color code, but it helps us tremendously when we start thinking about our individualized responses that in time will impact that aggregate. Before I understood this concept, we would set the, let's get from 75 to 80%. And here's the overall things that we'll do across our, we'll set up writing workshops across every classroom. We'll have PD um, from this person on three different days. And, and don't get me wrong, those aren't bad things, but it by looking at it in that more generalized sense, we may not be hitting the individualized needs of, of the students that are going to not, not get where we want them to be. So it, it's a shift in thinking, but it's a critical one. And the color coding is what allows us to do that. You talked about setting criteria for that color coding. And I, yeah. I know that that's some of the work up front that happens. Yeah. The impact of that around teacher professional judgment is huge because you now have this strong set of ideas rather than it being just coming from the gut of this child's not doing well in this area. Yeah. And oftentimes when we color coded and had that data available, lots of times it was confirming what we were seeing, but there was also times where it drew attention or I, I often refer to it as it would flag conversations that may not have surfaced if we didn't have the data to help um, pull those students forth into a conversation. So Again, the color coding, there's some work up front and being able to set the color, the criteria of what is a red, what is a yellow, green and blue, but it pays immense dividends when we think about overall school improvement. What advice might you have for those that are looking at shifting how they write their goals around that more aggregate data to some of that more specific data? Yeah, so... For us, and if you're thinking about that smart goal type concept, it would shift from previously, you know, by June 2022, 80% of our students will achieve success in this area as measured by X. 
we change that. Uh, and that might be the, the goal that goes into a school improvement plan um, that's getting reported to others. But internally, we would set by June 2022, um, we will move from 24 students not yet meeting expect or approaching expectations to 10 students as measured by uh, whatnot and through these actions. And then it was really easy to say, okay, who are the 22? And what are we going to impact? And if we're trying to get down to 10, that means we need to get 18 over the line. And again, that may sound highly analytical, but it's it's not intended to be. It's trying to see um, who are the ones that we, we can see greatest impact being made for. And by focusing in on that, we're going to see impacts for other students as well, because a lot of things we're going to do are universal in practice, but it just it hones it so much more clearly um, for us and for teachers. And really it does what Fullen and Sherat talked about a number of years ago, it puts faces on the data, right? It, it puts actuality. As a teacher, I don't get excited by a goal of we'll move from 75 to 80%. Uh, that one doesn't thrill me. But when I say we will move justice, destiny, and, and uh, Marcus, um, to a point of meeting expectations. Now that's something I can get behind. And when it happens, oh, I've got a whole different sets of a pride of accomplishment than just we increase five percentage points. Alignment with the school improvement plan, mm -hmm. broken down behind the school improvement plan to focus on the students. Yes. Have I summarized this in a very short way? Yeah, absolutely. It's What's, what's our school improvement priorities? Can we make those focus areas for not just our collaborative team meetings, but our collaborative plans? Do we have goals that align with it? And then do we have data that supports and helps us laser in on specific students that we're going to try and impact? It, it really, in a sense, is with that old adage of all rows, or, all oars are rowing in the same direction. And again, we will see immense um, immense impact happened through that way of thinking. Well, Curtis, thank you again for your time. I know that yeah, you high demand and we thanks. look forward to hearing more in future episodes. Thanks so much. And I'll encourage anyone uh, to reach out if you want to see samples or engage any further in the conversations. I'd love to be able to help support in any way that I can. Fantastic. I'm sure that our partners out there appreciate knowing that they can get a hold of you. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, thanks so much, Jen. I appreciate it. Thank you.